Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, God, that we can raise a hallelujah, that we can lift our spirits, that we could lift our faith, that we can respond in faith today, knowing, God, that you are with us, knowing that you strengthen us, knowing that you are where our help comes from. So we just thank you for this moment today, Jesus. I pray every heart will experience your peace today. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody shouted and said, amen, amen. Come on, can we give Jesus a shout of praise? Come on. Thank you, Lord. You can go ahead and take your seats this afternoon if you manage to find one. We had no idea how many people would show up today, um, and uh, we pre prepared as well as we could, but my dad was a well-loved man who had an impact on many, and I think all of us being here today is just a testament to that, and we just want to once more thank you for being here and welcome you. Um, it's a privilege for me to be able to share something on my dad today um, as I do a eulogy for him. He was such an incredible man. And uh, we had no idea, actually, the impact that he had on people's lives. In fact, I was talking to my staff this week, and I was saying that, you know, you have your traditional formal forms of leadership, you know, the person in the front holding the microphone, or the people that are, have the titles or the positions. But what we realized um, soon after my dad's passing is just how many people he influenced in the quiet ways, in the hugs and the smiles and the welcomes, um, I, don't even re I don't think we realized what we had lost until we heard the impact that he had on so many people. And we had messages coming in from around the world of uh, simple moments that my dad shared, care that he showed to people, which was just part of who he was. He didn't think anything of it. It's just what he did. My dad used to send me video links all the time on WhatsApp. He would send me from Facebook or YouTube or whatever. He'd just send me something he thought would interest me or something that would encourage me or something interesting, usually something about the Springboks and what they need to fix to win more often. Um, and he would send me all these links, and eventually he sent them so often that I didn't even... Uh, I often didn't even open all of them. Um, and then, you know, when uh, my father had passed away and we were chatting to people, they said, you know, he always used to send me links of different things. And like, and it turns out that my dad has been sending links to like half the people in this room on a regular basis. And a lot of people thought it was just kind of a, a broadcast message, but actually he was handpicking videos and he would think of a person when he sent Joe one about bass guitar and felt like Joe should watch that in order to be better at the bass. And and that's just the kind of heart that he had. And so it's a real privilege for me to be able to share a few thoughts about my dad and share a little bit on his life. Um, moments like these make you realize what the important things in life really are. We can get so busy running after so many different things, but uh, what my dad has taught us is the value of fighting for your family and for your calling and for the things that have eternal value and so growing up as kids, we were four siblings. Um, if you don't know me, my name's Adrian. I was the oldest of the four. Um, then followed was Rainique and Mary Ann, and Nick was the baby of the family. Um, and it was us four, and all four of us were pretty fearless because we knew that no matter what, Dad would always be there to fight for us if we got into trouble. Um, it reminded me of a time when uh, Nick handed in. He was the most diligent out of all of us siblings, I think, in terms of being a student. And he is the only student in history who handed geography projects in early. And um, he handed one in early at one point, 
And when he got his result, he spent so much time, he even showed it to my dad, and, and uh, he handed it in, and, and when he got his results, that said he had zero. And he queried with the teacher, said, how could I have zero? I handed in early, and the teacher said, no, you never handed this in. He said, I did, it was, it, I came, I brought it early, I showed my dad the next day. So, so my, my dad picks Nick up from school, and he's crying. The next day, my dad walks into that school with a mission. He doesn't go to the office. He doesn't go to the principal. He goes straight to that teacher's classroom and takes that teacher to the principal. And Nick got a better mark after that, which is probably also how my dad ended up being the head of the governing body for Hyde Park High School for a number of years. Wherever he went, my dad's wisdom and strength gave him great influence in people's lives. He studied at a few different universities, working towards his Master's of Commerce degree. Um, his first year was at Stellenbosch, which gave him the perfect outlet for his love for rugby. And we had under suspicion, my mom could probably confirm, but he spent a lot more time focused on rugby than on his, his studying. Um, and he played flanker, and he would always tell us about the coach who he was in the forward pack as a flanker, and the coach would, while they were scrumming, hit them with a whip until my dad one day had enough. He took the whip and broke it, gave it back, and went back into the scrum. Um, and uh, he played rugby in that first year, which led to him having a serious concussion towards the end of his first year, which kept him from writing his exams. And so he wasn't able to finish the year. My grandfather was a pastor with six kids, um, earned very little money, and, uh, and so he said, I've paid what I can pay. If you want to study further, you need to do it by yourself. And so, um, you know, for anyone who has ever done a DIY project with my dad, we've done many, many, many. Um, you'll know that he won't quit. He'll come up with a plan. He'll find some way to fix it. And so to pay for his studies, my dad did different jobs. And somehow through a sequence of events, this led to him working for a short time as a private investigator. Um, and as the story goes, and you know, I don't know how tales grow over decades, but as the story goes, what my dad told us is that he was eventually approached by a British agency to become a spy. <laughs> and apparently he was visited by this agent who then left, and somebody else then came, knocked on the door and said, you don't want to do it, my life has been ruined. And so fortunately, he turned the opportunity to become a British spy down, and eventually left the world of investigating uh, when Caterpillar South Africa offered him a bursary to study his BCom. By the age of 23, he was working as the HR man manager for Murray and Roberts, uh, which is not to be confused with Marianne Roberts, which is his oldest sister. She didn't pay for his studies, but not long after that, my dad was headhunted by Impala Platinum, uh, the division of GenCorp in his late 20s. And then in his early 30s, he was appointed by the city of Johannesburg as the director of commerce and industry for the city, tasked with bringing investment into the country and into the city. And uh, I remember once going to an Italian restaurant with my family, sitting around the table, needing to go to the loo, getting up, going to the loo, and this was one of those restaurants where they put, they put newspaper clippings on the wall, you know, to help you while you're at the toilet. And so, and so I looked up at, at the clippings and uh, saw my dad. There was an article of my dad there, This director of commerce and industry, shaking up the city, this young leader in the city. And so I ran out of the toilet and I shouted probably too loud in the restaurant, Dad, you're on the wall in the toilet. <laughs> After my dad left the city, um, he went private and worked as a private invest investor uh, since that time. 
And I believe actually the original calling that you know, God gave my dad was to be an investor, but he just heard wrong and he thought he was meant to be an investigator, but he figured it out eventually. I was fortunate as his oldest son uh, to get a lot of input from my dad and insight into his life. We did a lot of things together. We loved watching rugby together. In fact, the last WhatsApp I have from my dad was a conversation about the World Cup final and uh, so many games that we watched together, so many things we fixed around the house. Oftentimes I was enlisted, uh, not really willingly, but I, I helped him. We would shop for secondhand books, which was a great love of my dad's as well. And just a simple thing he always used to do was take us for breakfast. He would just, on a Saturday morning, come into the room and he'd go, hey boy, you want to go for breakfast? Take us somewhere in Santon and just sit for the morning and chat and, and hang out. And he did that with all of us as kids. One of the things I loved doing when I grew up, my dad was such an her a hero to me, that one of the things I loved doing going, uh, growing up was going through his cupboard and seeing the things in his cupboard. And he had always had so many interesting things. In hindsight, I realized that these things taught me what it means to be a man, what it means to be a dad, and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so I thought I would just share a few things that I found in my dad's cupboard. The first one was gym equipment. I think in the 80s, everybody had gym equipment of some kind in their cupboards, ankle weights, grip strengtheners, thigh masters, all those kinds of things. And my dad had these grip strengtheners, but nobody had a grip like my dad. You know, if my dad was chasing you, if, it was, if he was trying to get a hold of you, it's better for you to surrender. You know, it's like leniency will be applied if you come willingly. But if you run and if he gets a hold of you, you know you're never going to get away. Um, and, and this was just something about my dad. He had the strongest grip. I remember playing a time when I was playing rugby. I was 15 years old. And a second team player in our school thought that, that I had a bad attitude, although I didn't know what I did to make him think that. And, and so he walked up behind me after the first team game. He put his hand on my shoulder and he said, you need to go to the locker room. The first team is waiting there for you. They're going to sort you out. Unfortunately for this guy, he didn't know my dad was actually standing behind him when he said this. And so my dad laid a hold of his shoulder with that grip. And basically just his toes were touching the stairs as my dad carried him down towards the principal. And uh, I never needed to go to the first team. But more than laying a hold of scumbags, what my dad taught us was that when you truly want something, you have to grab a hold of it with all of your might and not let go. He taught us to fight for our dreams, to do whatever it takes to overcome the odds. His fight put a fight in each of us as kids. And, um, and, and if you look at all of our siblings, whether it's starting and running your own company uh, like Ray has done or moving to New York to pursue your acting career or graduating top of your class and then moving to Cape Town like Nick did and recently been appointed as the CEO of his company or planting and leading a church, my dad taught us to have grip and have grit. And I'm so grateful for that. The second thing I found or I always saw in my dad's cupboard was a few cigars. Now, my dad didn't teach us to smoke in case you were worried, um, although I did try once as a kid but believe it or not, cigars are actually a lot harder to light than what you may think, so um, I eventually just put it back. But my dad, working in the corporate world, was often given as gifts some of the finest cigars and some of the finest uh, bottles of, of whiskey or brandy or liquor that you can find, some of the most expensive. But my dad never opened a single one of those. And that wasn't because of any uh, 
form of judgment that was just because he had his own values and he had his own principles and he knew what he wanted to live for and he never ever compromised. Those cigars were there for years. The only one who ever tried to light it was me and it didn't work. Whether it was the US vice president or the head of the largest corporation who offered him a drink or a cigar, he would never betray his own values. And in that way, my dad taught us to hold fast to our convictions, regardless of how the world may attempt to dictate our culture to us. And so he has always encouraged us to stand for what we believe in and not exchange things that are eternal in their value for things that are temporal. The third thing was a toy lamb. This week we went through my dad's cupboard and found it was still there. And this is not just any toy lamb. This was his toy lamb from when he was a toddler. When he was, so it's a 60-year-old toy lamb. And it's been there all of his life. He's kept it. And what this has showed us, it, it shows another side of my dad. And it's actually something that has shaped the kind of dad that I am today. Because my dad had an incredibly soft, sentimental, and loving side to him. He was always asking us for hugs as kids and always telling us in the car how much he loved us. And he would do it in a way that would make us feel so embarrassed by it because he would say your name and then you have to reply yes and then he would tell you daddy loves you and then you have to reply to that as well. And the only one who ever replied well was Nick who would say I love you too Papa Bear. <laughs> My dad would leave gifts or chocolates on our bed if he was going away or coming back and he was always going out of his way to make sure that, he, that we knew that he loved us. And I picked this up with my own boys. I found the, the cycle completed this last week when I picked my boys up from school. And I was driving them home and I was telling them how much I love them and they were equally as frustrated and irritated by the situation, <laughs> saying, Dad, you tell us this every single day. Can you tell us something new, please? So I said, fine, I definitely do not dislike you. And they said, Dad, that's the same thing. And I said, okay, I'm intensely fond of your eyebrows. And Leo said, that's just weird. <laughs> Eli got home. He ran straight to Lee. He, he shook his head. He said, Dad was so irritating in the car. <laughs> Later in life, I remember being in a really tough spot emotionally, which made me edgy. And I ended up having an argument with one of my siblings. And I went up to to one of the rooms in the house and I just burst out into tears and my dad came in and he just hugged me and he held me. And I remember even just holding me like that and saying, it's okay, boy, you've taken a big knock, but you're gonna be okay. And that was the softness that he had. So whenever I see that toy lamb, I think about that. An old pocket watch. I think it was a pocket watch that belonged to my grandfather. But either way, my dad, taught us to value time, time with each other. This was my dad's famous line as you're leaving at quarter past midnight. How about one more cup of coffee? <laughs> if you've ever visited, just one more. We're like the sun's about to rise. Time with family, the holidays that he would plan for us. He would celebrate and honor the big moments. As a kid, my heroes were my older cousins and they were all seven or more years older than me. And I so much wanted to be kind of in their age group and I remember telling my dad in the car, I wish I was a little bit older. And I remember my dad saying, enjoy every single year of your life. You get one life, enjoy every season, every phase, every moment, don't wish any of it away. At my 21st, my mom came to my dad and said, now don't make a long speech. We all just wanna get on with the, with the party, don't make a long speech. And I remember my dad saying, no, this is a special moment and we're gonna honor this moment. My dad did a two-page speech. <laughs> Unfortunately, 
I have that speech still today, and it means so much. He also taught us to have fun. If you've ever had dinner with my dad, you'll know that it would be only a matter of time until he turns the straw into a pea shooter and tries to shoot you while you're not looking, which is something he has unfortunately passed on to my sons as well. His favorite was to try and stick a straw into my mom's hair without her knowledge. And eventually, how many straws he could get in would determine how well he had done that night at dinner. Or a paper in your drink when you're about to take a sip and the paper from the straw is now in your drink. And this has helped me to enjoy life, to value every season and to celebrate the moments that matter. The fifth thing that we found actually only this week while we were clearing out some of the things in my dad's cupboard is letters from my mom. My dad traveled a lot for work at a, at a point in his life and my mom would write him these letters as he traveled overseas and, and would fax them to the hotel where he was staying. And so as I opened the box with all these letters in, I looked through them and I started reading and then I stopped because I realized I may become scarred for life if I continue. <laughs> but they had a very special relationship, my mom and dad. They met at, univers at the University of Pretoria when my mom was only 19 years old, six months later, they were married on the 8th of December, 1979. And from that time, they just did everything together. I don't even remember a single fight that my parents had, except for the one time when my dad didn't want my mom to cut her hair shorter, and she did. And so to get her back, my dad shaved off his mustache. And he arrived home later that afternoon, and I ran to my mom saying, Mom, there's a strange man at the gate. Had no idea who he was without that mustache. My parents were married for 40 years, and earlier my mom was telling me how much God must love her to give her such a companion at such a young age to live her life with and to have so much fun with. There's a few other things that I could mention today, like my dad's impressive collection of cufflinks, or the BB gun that I always wanted to shoot, or the different kinds of colognes that he would wear. But the final thing I wanted to mention, which is the most important thing I found in my dad's cupboard, was a Bible and a box of daily bread scriptures. I don't know if you remember those little plastic boxes and you open them up and you could pull out a verse for the day. But more than anything else that I'm grateful for receiving from my dad, what I am grateful for the most is the way he pointed us to Jesus. I remember countless times walking into his room, my dad sitting there reading his Bible. Hear him playing worship in the room while we went about our day the theological discussions we had as I entered into high school and started thinking more around these things. No matter the obstacle or the situation, my dad was always praying for us, always teaching us about the word, always encouraging us to look to Jesus and to faithfully pursue a relationship with him, obeying all that he calls us to do. And that's the greatest gift my dad ever gave me because it means that my dad will be my dad, not just in this life, but in the life that is to come. So dad, I just want to say on behalf of all of your kids and mom and everybody here, thank you for your love and your faithfulness and for being the father, husband, and leader that God called you to be. You're a faithful servant. You finished your race. You finished it well, and we will run after you. We love you, dad.
just can't waste it. This one is yours, Lord. I give you this So many great memories um, that we'll have for the rest of our lives to remember my dad by. Uh, my dad was also, when he was younger, he sang in a music group called Conspiratu. They toured the country, gospel group, and part of that group was many, many, many members of the Hodgetts family, including one that wasn't a Hodgett at the time yet, I think. I'm not sure. Um, but Pastor Mark um, Hodgetts has been a friend of my dad's for all these years, uh, 40 plus years, and um, I don't think there's anybody better suited to encourage us in the Word today 
than Pastor Mark. So please will you put your hands together as Pastor Mark comes forward. Thank you so much, Adrian. I want to, I think on behalf of all of us, express our sincere condolences to Francis, to you, Adrian, your uh, Raymeek, Marianne, Nicholas, and your extended families, the grandchildren. Uh, this was so beautiful to hear all those, those things about Colin and, and brought back so many memories, and I'm sure we'll, we'll hear a lot more about him. I have been honored to call him my friend, and uh, all of us were privileged to know him in many different capacities, like husband, father, grandfather, brother, uncle, friend, colleague, servant, leader, mentor, counselor, coach, gentleman, stalwart in the kingdom, ambassador for God, and humorist. <laughs> So many stories that I could tell, but that's not my role this afternoon. I want to uh, just encourage you, try and find out and hear the story about the baboon in the church. It's, it's one of the most funny stories I think I've ever heard in my life. But, um, and we can say so much about Colin today, but I know that he would uh, appreciate the fact that our focus is not on him today. Our focus is on on Jesus because that's the one he lived for so I'm sure he would have desired that we give preference to God and to his word this afternoon so that's what I would like to do and I had this scripture in my heart uh, all the time a simple verse out of Psalm 116 and verse 15 and it says the following it says precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints and the amplified says precious important and no light matter in the sight of the Lord is the death of his loving ones and this is such a, a strong statement to make precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints it's kind of loaded language here and every word I think in this verse is is weighty and I want to focus on several keywords or phrases in this verse that I think is important for us to hear today. And so I want to start with, with the one word that is probably the most hard-hitting word for many people, and that's the word death. Precious is the death. I looked up in the dictionary, and one dictionary defines death as the termination of life having lost life, no longer alive. And that sounds so final. But is that really what death is to us as believers? I don't think so. Otherwise, we would not have called this a celebration. This is a celebration because we know death is not the end. This is, in fact, Colin's graduation <laughs> service. It's, I found it so interesting that both Paul and Peter in the New Testament, when they speak about death, they speak about it as a departure. Uh, in Philippians 1, 23 and 24, it's almost like I can hear Colin say these words of Paul. He says, I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, 
but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. And, and, and that word depart is such an interesting Greek word because it, it literally means to loose, to, to undo. And it's a metaphor that was drawn from, uh, for instance, breaking up an encampment. And, and the truth is this, our body today is just a tent in an earthly camp. And when the battle is over, it's like a military camp. The commander says, let's break up camp. And that was what was a reality for Colin. It was used to describe the unloosing of woven threads. And I saw this picture of this expert weaver sitting at the loom. And when that beautiful masterpiece of a garment was finished, the, the weaver said, this is it. It's time to loosen things. It describes the unyoking of pack animals and how beautiful it is at the end of our lives that our master will say, let's lift the burden and let's loosen all those things. And that is so beautiful. And lastly, I find this metaphor so, so beautiful. It's the loosing of moorings uh, in preparation to set sail on a ship. And here's the commander that said, let's lift anchor, let's untie the ropes. And that was his final journey. And, and in speaking about death, I read this, that somebody explained dying like this. A ship sails and we stand watching until it fades on the horizon. And someone next to us says, it's gone. Gone where? Gone from our sight, that's all. Because the ship is just as large as when we saw it the last time. It's diminished, it's diminished, uh, diminished size and, and total loss of sight is in us, not in the ship. And just at the moment when we say it's gone, there are others on the other side watching it coming and other voices taking up the glad shout of rejoicing. There it comes. And that's what dying is about. So death is not the end. It's the entrance. Peter uses another word, also translated in English as departure. And it's very interesting when he speaks about his, uh, his departure from this world, he uses the Greek word that we know in English as exodus. And exodus means the way out. And that's what, what death is all about. It's being uh, set free from everything that would bind us in, in this world. I want to move on to another significant phrase in the scripture and it says that precious in the sight of the Lord and if we can see things from God's perspective we'll see it so differently because death is not death in God's eyes because Jesus conquered death and you know if you've ever looked at a tapestry and you you look at it from the wrong side, you just see loose threads and tangled knots and unraveled ragged edges. But if you turn that thing around and look from the right side, from God's perspective, you see the beautiful masterpiece. And here's what we need to do. We need to look at, at this passing of calling from God's side. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And the beauty is this, that God can even take the dark threads 
uh, in your life and interlace them into the, the tapestry of your life. And as I said, he can weave a picture with purpose and plan and pattern and make a masterpiece of your life. And so we need to see things from heaven's viewpoint. And talking about heaven, I heard about a little girl that was looking because her mother told her that heaven is beyond the stars and she was looking one starry night at the sky and she said to her mom, is, is heaven really beyond the stars? And her mother said, well, that's where I think it is. So he, uh, she said, is, is that then the floor of heaven that we're seeing? Yeah, because heaven is beyond that. And she, the mother again said, well, I think so. And she said to her mom, imagine this. If heaven's floor looks like that, what must the ceiling look like? And I love that because if what we can experience on this earth about heaven is so glorious, imagine being there and looking into the eyes of Jesus, our Savior, ourselves. So death is not, I don't like the word demise. I don't even like the word decease because it's not the end. And you know, I read these words attributed to great men of God like D.L. Moody and, and Billy Graham, and I believe that Colin would have would have adapted these words uh, in the same way because I'm sure he would have said this before he passed away. Listen to this. Someday you will read or hear that Colin Wright of Mahalisir, Johannesburg, is dead. Don't believe a word of it. I shall be more alive than I am now. I will just have changed my address. I will have moved out of this old clay house into a mansion that is immortal, a body that death cannot touch, that sin cannot taint, a body fashioned like unto his glorious body. I will have gone into the presence of God. How beautiful. You know, we, um, we spent uh, a night, we, we slept over at, at our daughter Pamela's house and and Luca was there with us, and we actually read him uh, a story in our bed, and he calls us Ba and Nona. And so uh, he fell asleep there with us, and then his father came and fetched him and took him into his own room. And so when he woke up in the morning, he, <laughs> these were his words. He says, last night I fell asleep in Ba and Nona's bed, but this morning I accidentally woke up in my own room. <laughs> But the beauty is it's not an accident. And that's what death is about. You go to sleep here and you wake up there in your own room, in your own place. Let me have a look at, at the last phrase in this verse. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I, I, I want to come back to that word precious. That's the last word I'm going to focus on. But let me just focus on, on of his saints. And let me make it clear that this is not a universal, all-inclusive statement about all people. It's not every death that is precious in God's sight. He says, only the death of his saints. And I heard somebody say it this way. It's only for the saints, not for the ain'ts. Because if you are in Christ, you're a saint. If not, you ain't. And thank God Colin was one of the saints. A saint doesn't mean you are perfect. 
It just means that, that you are one of God's favored ones. That's what the Hebrew word speaks about because it speaks about being blessed with God's kindness, his, his love, his mercy, his grace, his favor, and his goodness. And that's what Colin experienced. And the beauty is what we uh, receive, we can achieve because he then became a favored one, a faithful one, a loyal and a steadfast one. Merciful, kind, a devoted follower of Christ. I think that describes Colin. But that brings me to the last word I want to focus. In fact, it's the first word in this verse. Precious in the sight of the Lord. It's so difficult to understand that, that death can be precious. We know life is precious, but death can also be. And, and, and the beautiful word used here, has many fa uh, 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 shades of meaning. It firstly can mean costly, describing something like valuable jewels or, or precious stones. And it's amazing that when it speaks about Jesus as the cornerstone, the uh, prophet Isaiah uses the same word. He says that God laid in Zion a precious cornerstone, the same word that is used there. And obviously, Jesus was precious to the Father. And you know, the amazing thing, just thinking about that for a moment, when Jesus died, he said these words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And I, I looked at that word commit, and I thought, it's not something you just throw to someone. It's not something you pass on. When you commit something to someone, you give it directly to them. Why? Because it's valuable, it's precious. And in the same sense, I want to say, I don't think I would be wrong if I described Colin as a gem. I think we've all seen and experienced his value and the value that he added even to us. And that's how God sees him, as a precious stone. The word also means highly valued, greatly esteemed, glorious, honorable, noble. And that's how God sees his passing, glorious and noble. And then the last shade of meaning of this word, it actually means weighty. And that's where the Amplified comes with this beautiful translation that it was not a light matter for God. That it was something that God weighed up carefully. God regarded Colin's death as of immense importance. We don't understand it now, but it's connected with his grand plan. And God had some powerful purposes to be accomplished by it. And the death of such a saint is so linked with the glory of God that he will not cause it to happen except in the time, in the circumstances, and the way that would best realize his purposes. So, how could Colin's death be precious? Firstly, it released him from the suffering and the pain that he experienced for the last few days. Right now, he's walking in perfect health. And that's how we see him and how we will remember him. Secondly, it's precious because of the price that Jesus paid for him. It cost Jesus his life to purchase Colin. And he was bought with the precious blood of Christ. It's precious because it brings out a testimony of God's grace in Colin's life. 
It causes us to reflect on the impact that he had on our lives, and we can all recognize this, the specific effects of God's goodness, and we heard that. And each of us would have a unique set of memories of how Colin made our lives different. It's precious because it's an opportunity for us as believers to show the world how we respond in such tragic situations as these. And Adrian, can I just commend you of the, the beautiful thing? This, it has such a sense of victory that it's set for this service because we are celebrating today. And we can show the world that we do not mourn like those who do not have hope. We can show what faith in Christ means at a difficult time like this. And then lastly, it's precious because it's the consummation and the culmination of everything that Colin lived for. As Paul says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. This is what Colin's been looking out for, for his whole life. Welcome home. That's what it's about. The message paraphrases this verse as follows. When they arrive at the gates of death, God welcomes those who love him. And that's what we can see. So I want to conclude with this. If your death is precious to God, it will also be a time of rejoicing for you. And I, somebody said it this way, when you were born, you cried and the world rejoiced. <laughs> Live your life in such a manner that when you die, the world cries and you will rejoice. Amen. Can I pray for you a prayer? Father, we thank you for this beautiful time and this beautiful service and the beautiful memories that we have of this precious occasion but also of the life that touched all of us. And we thank you that this was not an easy thing. It was a weighty matter. And that you, you weighed up things so carefully that it was a precious moment when our dear Colin passed into eternity. And we know that it was a, it was a departure into his heavenly home. And we pray that each and every one of us will have that same experience at the end of our lives, that we will not have any uncertainty about where we're going, but that we will know that there's an eternal home waiting for us. And we thank you for that peace that will settle in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Adrian. This is the first recording of Eli John Wright doing a guitar piece and singing for his opa Colin Wright. Three, two, one, go.
Wow, thank you, my boy. We have uh, a few more stories that are going to be shared. So I want to call up my sister, Renique, and her husband, Jono. They're going to come and share a few words. Good afternoon, everyone. And uh, thank you again for joining us in celebrating the life of Colin, husband, father, brother, and the world's best opa. Having lost my dad a few years back, I never thought I would ever call another man dad. But after many years of endless dad jokes, heartfelt, meaning, meaningful conversations, engulfing bear hugs, and, un, and, un, and sorry, an unwavering support system, I am proud and deeply honored to have had the opportunity to call you dad. Pops, my fondest memories come from our time in spent in Stolby. Hours spent boating on the river, condensed milk coffees around the fire, Brannewein caramel tart for breakfast, and that one awkward time where you try to end my life. Yes. The year was 2010. Me, a nervous, scared man with a diamond ring in my pocket, and a woman named Ray to pop the question to. As I had yet to ask Collins for Collins' permission to marry the woman of my dreams, Dad saw this as the perfect opportunity to take me out. And it wasn't for coffee. Uh, sorry, ma'am. On a picturesque boating trip filled with laughter and joy and tons of fun, something sinister lurked at the back of the boat. I can still picture the exact moment my life was nearly snatched away. After swimming in the tranquil river water, it was time to board the boat to leave. As usual, I swam to the back of the boat to climb up the ladder, and then bang! The steel ladder mysteriously breaks, causing me to smack my head on the engine and plunging me deep into the river below. The entire Wright family sprang into action to arrange my rescue. Everyone except for Colin Wright. As I finally surfaced a little later, battered, bruised, and extremely embarrassed for breaking my uh, future father-in-law's boat, I was met by Francis and the family's deep concern for my safety. And that's when I saw it, the look of utter disappointment on Colin's face that I had survived. <laughs> oh. uh, jokes aside, Losing my dad as I was stepping into adulthood left a massive void in my life. A void that you filled with grace, laughter, and an unwavering love that no words can describe. Secretary, I will be eternally grateful for all the years of love and care you showed me, and I hope to pass all of this love and lessons on to my son. Thank you for being an opa to Gio, who you welcomed into your family with open arms. We will always strive to love Gio the way you loved and guided us. Saying goodbye to a great man is possibly the hardest thing in the world to do. But today, we can say goodbye knowing that the race that you ran was a great one. And you will be internally remembered and cherished. Francis, Adrian, Ray, Marianne, Nick, thank you for allowing me to share Dad's love. I will always be grateful for you for that. Colin, Dad, Pops. Opa, goodbye. Rest in peace now, Dad. We know you'll always be with us. You're going to pay for the secretary comment. <clears throat> Dad, Daddy, Daddy-o, Papa, Pa, and when we really wanted to get your attention, Colin, 
How does one even begin to say goodbye to someone who has formed your very existence? When I look at my siblings, I see such a clear imprint of dad in each of us. Fierce faith and dedication, sound business minds, passion for family and for what is right, endless humor, a love for learning, art, music, culture, and sport, and finding solace in the sea and down the river. I'm privileged to have been able to share countless special moments with my dad, and in fact, I can count on one hand the moments that I didn't enjoy, and that's something I don't think many fathers achieve these days. As a child, I remember bear hugs, breakfast as a family before school with a daily Bible reading, boat rides and adventures with the water pump and puff adders on our rustic farm in Stillby, and defining moments when dad knew just what to say and how to say it. You always made it known how much you love us, and you told us without hesitation or reservation. As a teenager, I recall long conversations about how the choices we make can and will have a lasting impact on the lives we will lead. As a young adult, Dad handled my rebellious streak with the utmost in humor, lying in wait at the garage or at the front door to give me a fright when I tried to sneak into the house in the early hours of the morning. <laughs> I can still hear that belly laughing when my natural instinct was to fall down on the floor. I'll admit it's not a good strategy. Dad offered endless support during my legal studies, bringing coffee and encouragement on those late nights. As an adult, I will always cherish Dad's open acceptance of Jonathan, walking me down the aisle with a supportive hand and a huge smile. And despite the boating incident, Dad, don't think I don't remember that you told Jono that he can't give me back. <laughs> As we navigated the treacherous road of infertility, Dad was with us every step of the way, in prayer, with compassion, sharing in our hopes, and in our tears in moments of devastation. As a mother, I will be eternally grateful that God spared Dad long enough to meet our precious Giovanni. He enveloped Joe in love from the very first moment, showing him what it means to have a loving Opa. Opa's little boy begs us to drive to heaven so he can give him hugs and kisses. In your last days before heart surgery, you had everyone in stitches of laughter. Every person in the ICU knew your name and had a good laugh at your antics. Especially enjoying how I blushed when I unknowingly picked up your torn hospital undies. <laughs> and you recounted the cardiologist's shock as he tore them off for the, uh, to perform an angiogram and you exclaimed, oh, no one's ever done that for me before. <laughs> A good friend told me to appreciate the dad I had 
because I am a testament to a woman who was loved well by a good father. And for that, I could never say thank you enough. I held your hand as you left this world, but dad, I would give anything for one more cup of coffee with you. One more conversation. One more, I love you, whatever you say. Times infinity, times three. What do you do? Hello? What do you do? I eat a cold and a cold. How do you do it? Oh, my God. My God is drunk, man. He's dumb, man. What do you do? Daar blij je paard. In die klok. In die klok. Of in sy huisie. Wat is sy huisie sy naam? Stel. Stel. Ja. Nee, alles op een slag. Nee, net een paas. Definitive proof that my mom gives the kids too much sugar. Full energied. Um, I'm going to call up my younger sister, Mary Ann, who's going to read a letter that she's written. My dearest daddy, I can never understand why you had to be taken from us so soon. One of the last things you said to me was at least my children always knew that I loved them. And I told you that we never doubted it. We carry the love that you shared with us. I will hold on to your love forever and do my best to love unconditionally the way that you did. I know how much you loved and missed your dad, and I take comfort in the thought that you are now reunited with him and being held in his embrace. I'm sure you're telling him all about the life you lived and the wonderful man that you were. I love you so much, and I thank you for all of the lessons you taught me and the wonderful memories that we shared together. I thank you for my thirst for knowledge, for my love for adventure, for the gift of art and music. I thank you for your soldiering spirit, your uplifting humor, your cups of coffee and your warm embraces. I thank you for the comfort of holding your hand. I thank you for our regular afternoon tea time, sharing stories with warmth and love. I thank you for your wisdom, your commitment to complete honesty, and for your continual striving to be a man of integrity. Whenever I asked you what present you wanted for your birthday, you would always say, just your love. And I told you I could not give that to you as a present because you already had every bit of love I ever had and could ever give. Thank you for seeing me and for loving me the way you did. Thank you for always asking me to stay just a little longer, making me feel valued, treasured, and wanted. I hold on to that bond forever. There is not time enough, nor are there words enough for me to tell you how much I love you or how much you taught us and gave us. I am not sure how I will survive without our regular visits and phone calls. I have committed so much of you to my memory and I carry you with me always. You were the person I called when I was upset and you always managed to cheer me up and make me laugh. 
I vow to do the best I can to carry in me all those wonderful qualities and characteristics you had and to share them with my own children one day. I imagine that your heaven is eating caramel branavantart, swimming in the sea, a library full of books and a music room with every guitar and gadget you could ever want. I imagine you having your afternoon tea with your parents, content with the wonderful life you now get to live. I hope I get to visit you in my dreams. And I hold on to the day when I can see you again. I love you forever, Daddy-o. Whatever you say, times infinity, times three. <laughs> Was the sound that you heard in our home most evenings as my dad played guitar. Uh, I want to call up Nick, my youngest brother, and his wife Amber. I want to also just share a few words. I only knew dad for eight years, which is probably a lot less than most of you. But I believe it was long enough to know just how lucky I was to know him at all. From the moment I met him, he welcomed me into his home, his family, and his heart, as if I truly was one of his daughters. From a few months into my relationship with Nick, Dad would refer to me as D.I.L., which stood for daughter-in-law, as if he knew something not even we did at the time. For me, it was one of the many ways he showed me love and showed me my acceptance into his family, something that meant a lot to me. In the years I knew Dad, I only ever knew him to be positive, happy, and faith-filled, despite all the challenges life threw at him. He only ever wanted to visit longer and have that extra coffee, whatever would extend his time with us. Of all the strengths that Dad had, his faith was the one I found the most inspiring. He was an unbelievable follower of Jesus, and he was such a good example of a godly man who lived his life in the ways of the Lord. He loved a good prank, like giving you a fright when you walked into a room, or tapping you on your shoulder to ensure you looked in the wrong direction while he slipped to the other side, 
and he loved to share a good meme or video on Facebook. He had a great sense of humor, and he loved a good laugh. Right up until they wheeled him into the theater, he was laughing and making jokes like only dad could. I wish I told you more often how blessed I felt to have you as my father-in-law. I took it for granted that you would always be here to tell you that. But we ran out of time much sooner than I expected. I will forever be grateful to God for giving mom the idea to spontaneously book a trip to Cape Town in September. That weekend was filled with only happiness and special moments between the four of us. Quality time we hadn't shared that often since Nick and I moved to Cape Town. I remember thinking when you and mom left, how much I looked forward to many more of those weekends in the future, never for a second thinking it would be our last. You've left a huge void in our lives, Dad, one that will never be filled, but with time and God, we will be able to come to terms with. A few times in the past week, Nick and I have remarked how much fun you must be having in heaven and how happy you must be to be with Jesus. And for that, I'm so grateful because despite our sadness, you are in the greatest place ever. We miss you and we will forever miss you until we meet again one day. I love you, Dad. Thank you for being the greatest father-in-law in the world. There are many things I will remember about my dad. I always remember him teaching me to play the guitar and our jam sessions where he'd patiently give me time to muddle through the 12-bar blues he taught me. I always remember my dad picking me up from school and our long conversations at our, at our favorite restaurants for lunch where I felt keenly aware of how close we were. I'll always remember watching Eric Clapton the Eagles, Nora Jones, and the Gathers with the quality of sound he loved so much. I'll always remember my dad standing on the side of the field watching all of my rugby matches through high school. I'll always remember my dad's practical jokes and giving us frights with a pinch in the ribs for good measure. I'll always remember my dad's endless exclusive book sales where my dad would spend hours seeking out the golden reeds no matter how long it took. I'll always remember my dad in his suit, reading us a scripture from the Bible at our daily mandatory breakfast around our Calvin dining room table. And I'll always remember my dad's kind, loving eyes. I'll always remember how my dad hugged me when he hurt, when I hurt, how he celebrated with me when I won, and how he, he encouraged me when I struggled. I always remember my dad continually telling us how much he loves us. But there are many things I don't remember about my dad. I don't remember my dad ever teaching us about righteousness or justice. I don't remember my dad ever specifically explaining how to be good to those around you. 
I don't remember my dad specifically explaining to me how to love my wife. I don't remember my dad teaching me the ways to be wise or make sound decisions in life. I don't remember my dad showing me or teaching me how to give 100% in everything I attempt. I don't remember my dad teaching me exactly how to follow Christ through all of life's challenges. And yet, I find all of these lessons deeply ingrained in the character and the life of my family. And I realize that the power of my dad's legacy is not in the things I'll remember, and it's not in the details of a life shared with him. The power of my dad's legacy is in who he was and how he showed us who we should be. My dad quietly and consistently instilled all of the characteristics that our family would need to succeed in life simply by being who he was. The evidence of God's grace lies in my father's fingerprints, which can be found in the lives of his children, his family, and everyone that came into contact with him. And I realize when I look into my heart and the heart of my brothers and sisters that my dad's work is finished in us and what a good work it is. We will always remember you, Dad. We've got just one more uh, this afternoon. Uh, my Uncle Jimmy is just going to share a few things on behalf of uh, the five siblings. Um, my dad was the third of six. So, um, Uncle Jimmy, would you come forward? I will make this address in Afrikaans, if you don't mind. But first, I just want to say Francis, um, Adrian, Rainik, Mary Ann, Nicholas, with your wives and husbands, um, we really love you. You're very precious. Francis, you've done so well. So proud of you. My uh, father used to say, that Colin could have never asked for a better wife than you. And we agree. You're relying this, always protecting. And thank you for living the life with Colin, making it so special and memorable. You're a precious person. And um, all this family and friends appreciate you and your kids. And just look at the testimony. It's so beautiful. Obut vandag sê ons tot weersiens aan ons broer, opa, man, vriend, raadgever, staatsman, econoom, siener, profeet, ons gaan jou gewig Jou raad en jou liefde by hem is. Die liefde waarmee jy geleef het en die wijsheid wat jy so vrylik gegee het, kon ons allemaal veilig laat voel as jy daar was. Ons onthou die sterk diamantveld stit. Ek wens jy ook onthou man op een rakbeveld sien. Uh, 
Jy gaan nie kan staan nie. Hy was so sterk en so prachtige man. Nou die dag kon ons nog saam die springboeken toejuig met die rugby wereldbeker kroon en hy was so opgewonde en al die tweets en al die boodskappe was so oulik en uh, al die commentaar. Ek onthou hoe ek en jy en Charlie Nauk en David Koetsie saam kitaar en orgel gespeel het en Jezus aanbid het by Maranatha Park. Tot twee uur die morgens het ek en jy gesit en speel en die Heere aanbid en Godse geest verstaan. En dan was daar die conspirators met Mark en Laurie en George en al die pret en grappies met Tanny en Marensha en ek onthou nog die dag wat jylle die, wat hy per ongeluk die uh, koeldrank skinkbord geslaan het en dit op Tanny en Marensha sy skoot geval het en in die vleelklafveer. Ei, dat was baie pret. Ek onthou vir jou en Francis voor die kansel in AGS Sunnyside, mooiste breidspaar. Jy was so mooi en so slim. Colin het een manier gehad om in jou hart in te klim wat baie min mense rechtig ooit die diepte van kan waardeer. Jou humor en Nederlands praat saam met Karel en Tanny Essie en Tanny Rita. Ons wil net vir Tanny Essie sê, is baie lekker om jou hier te hee. Dit is nog een van my Tanny's oor van my pa en maase geslag en jy kan nou nie verstaan wat ek sê as ons nou maak of ons Nederlands praat, hoeveel grappies en humor het ons so saam op WhatsApp met mekaar gedeel nie. Jou skerp humor was een wapen in donkertuie. Jy was een familieman, loyaal, altyd bezig om in iemand anders lewe te saai. Ek gaan jou so mis die lekker vakantie saam met pa en ma en ons kinders, Gabriel onthou jy die spruit karavaan en uh, op die suidkus en jy en Gabriel nog in die tent op stretchers geslaap en die lekker muziek gemaakt en gesin as, gesing as gesin en dan het mense om die tent gekom en patel en na die Heere toe gelei Dit was alles deel van die vakantie, saam met sommer net braai vlees, hoopie gas braai en keier. Keiers op stilbaai, Francis en by julle aan die huis. Julle was die anker van die raad familie. Ons het so baie lekker tye saam gehad en net saam kon keier en die liefde van die heren deel. Francis Colin was so lief vir jou, die kinders en kleinkinders. Hy was oprecht trots op jylle en ons is ook. Ek wil net vir jylle sê, Adrian, jou pa het hoeveel keer vir my gesê hoe trots is op jou, op al die kinders en hoe mooi jylle is en hoe prachtig jylle is en hoe lief hy veel is en ook vir die tlankies. Colin, jy was die eerste een van die familie om my dochter Sjenaikie met haar geboorte by die hospitaal vasthou. Hulle het gedink, hy is een dokter. <lacht> en hy het net deurgestap, want daar was altyd gins. 
Daar was altijd gins op sy leven. Jy het met Francis in Bloemfontein vir ons gewacht, toe sy een gesinsmotorongeluk was, was jylle net daar. Ek onthou dit, dit was baie speciaal. By James en Nadia's getrouwe, het ons vir oulaas gekeier, en saam met Marian hulle grapies gemaakt, Marian het ook gevra om net haar liefde oor te dra, sy het ook een boodskapie gestuur. En nooit besef, dit was ons laaste familiekeier saam, jy staat by James hulle sy trouwe wat ook hier is vandag saam met ons kinders, baie speciale oomblik. By die hospitaal het ons gegroet, ek en Renai en Sjonaikie, Mary Ann en Reniek. En ek het vir Colin gesê, Francis, hoe lief jy vir my is. En hoe lief die kinders vir my is. Toed ek die liefde vir Marianne, vir Gabri, myself oorgedra, dit was nog op een stadium wat hy ons kon hoor, maar hy kon nie teruggesels nie. En toe die baie snaakse ding gebeur, die Heer het op my hart gelee om Psalm 23 te lees, of net te kwoteer, en deel van Psalm 23 is, al gaan ek dier die dal van doodskade wee, ek sal geen onhoud vrees nie, want die is met my. Colin het sy oog oopgemaak en die traan het gevorm en die hoek van sy oog uit my gehoor en ons kon bid, en ons kon dankie sê. Vandag maak het sin. Colin, Marian, Robby, Gabri, Jimmy, Renai, Ansie, groet jou vandag, tot ons weer ontmoet aan Jezus voet. Dankie. Alright. I want to just read uh, the letter my uncle mentioned now from my dad's older sister, Marianne. They're in Nelspreit and were unable to travel through. Um, she wrote the following. Colin, my precious brother, my confident, always respectful, wise, and caring. Favorite saying in Afrikaans, ach, shame, man, when things went slightly awry. <laughs> Gone too soon without much warning, trickling away like spilt water in the sand. At least I know that you have joined all our loved ones gone before to be in God's presence forever. You may look out for me, I'll be there. How joyful the reunion with them must have been. This takes me back in retrospection to our wonderful childhood days, growing up together, making music, singing together, laughing, always laughing at ridiculous, serious, or downright funny incidents until we cried. This was our coping mechanism, the well-known Steinberg and right humor taking over. Rare to find in the overbearing society of today how, how I will miss these regular chats we had, especially late at night, fixing all that may be ailing up to politics and badly played rugby games. I would marvel at how besotted you were about your pet cats when you were younger, talking cat language to them, and amazingly they would answer you. And then, in full contrast, how effortlessly you stood out as the successful, highly competent, professional businessman 
loving husband to Francis and devoted father to your beautiful children and grandchildren. A godly man in all aspects of life, I salute you, Colin. Francis, Adrian and Lee, Ray and Jono, Nicholas and Amber, Mary Danke, Eli, Leo, Jude and Gio, be not dismayed. God will take care of you, Marianne. P.S. Robbie says Colin was not his brother-in-law. He was his, was his brother. Rest in peace, my brother. We have friends that was part of our strategic team here at Anchor Church that my parents, my mom and dad are part of. And two of those friends, Mona and Militia, moved over to Australia, and they sent this saying, Colin's passing still feels so unreal. To say that we are heartbroken is a complete understatement. We are so grateful that we could do life with him. When it came to building friendships, age meant nothing to him. He accepted everyone with open arms. He prayed with us during difficult times, celebrated our wins with us, and his support during our move abroad meant the world to us. Colin ran his race and ended strong. He will always remain such a wonderful example of how to be a humble and compassionate person, an uncompromising follower of Jesus, a great husband, caring father, and a loving grandfather. Many of us will continue to look at the legacy he's left behind and draw inspiration from it. What an amazing life he lived. To the Wright family, we are devastated with you by Colin's passing. We rejoice with you that he is with Jesus, and we continue to pray for you all. With all our love, Militia and Mornay from McKay in Australia. And finally, um, my wife, Lee, wanted to read something. You are such a brave young lady. Words you said to me on day one with so much approval and admiration in your eyes. Words that have helped keep me brave ever since. But most days, you didn't need to say anything at all. You had this silent and strong, yet unbelievably gentle way of letting us all know how loved we were, how proud you were of us. In just a simple look, a smile, a silly gesture, or a warm hug. Thank you for being the most wonderful Opa to the boys, and thank you for raising the most incredible godly man that I got to marry. I see so much of you in him. You live on in him. You live on in all of us. We all carry a piece of you, your legacy, your love for Jesus, your kindness, your strength, your passion for music, your discipleship, your friendship, your beautiful example of marriage, your jokes, your stories, our memories. I miss you. We all miss you. But I will continue to be brave for you, Dad, always. All right, I wanted to end today um, just with a few thank yous. Uh, firstly, my mom just wanted to thank everybody that has been so amazing, that have been there for her. People have sent messages, people have sent food, people have prayed for us. Our church has been amazing. Um, um, but to my siblings, Ray and Mary Ann and Nick and Amber and Jono, Lee, um, my mom wanted me specifically also to thank all of you um, and uh, just for the incredible support that she feels we've been to her. Uh, mom was talking to me earlier saying that she hasn't been left alone for one minute. I don't know if that means that she wants to be left alone or <laughs> if she's grateful, but Thank you to all of you guys for the way that you have uh, just walked with mom and supported her, and that's something we'll continue to do. Um, to Anchor Church, the support and the prayers were so amazing. We always say that church is a family, it's community, it operates beyond a Sunday, it's not just a service, and that's what we have proven to be as a church, and I'm so proud of our church. Thank you to everybody for my phone was dying by 11 a.m. Uh, you know, in the morning, and that's not just because it's, a cell, because it's an iPhone. Um, 
It's because, it's because of all the messages we were getting, endless phone calls and love and support. Thank you, Anchor Church, for your prayers. Um, also, I wanted to personally thank our staff who helped us put this memorial together. Um, the staff and um, you know, our friends and the team and the worship team. You know, I said, who would be available to help out with the celebration service? And we had to cut people. There were too many <laughs> that wanted to help out. So thank you to everybody for your love. It's been absolutely amazing. Um, also to Pastor Mark for such an incredible word. You know, you've been there in so many significant moments in our lives as a family, and uh, we're just so grateful. That is a word I'll remember forever. Um, and then the Laravi La Sant, which is the, the estate where uh, my mom lives, for, to that community there for the support and the flowers and people bringing food over to the house, to the Tubus team um, where my mom works, especially Clive and Ingrid Tubus, for the support and love and care to the staff and doctors at Four Ways Life Hospital. Um, there were too many um, to mention by name, but the care we received and my dad received was world class. And then all the hundreds of people that prayed, supported, sent messages, phoned in. It's carried us through. It's given us strength. It's given us hope. And it's shown us that we're not alone as we journey into what is a very new season for all of us without my dad. And uh, we are so, so grateful. Thank you very much, everybody. Um, I wanted to just close in prayer, uh, but I thought, Mom, if you would just come forward with um, the siblings. E, you can come stand here as well. And Pastor Mark, if you wouldn't mind, maybe just closing and praying over my mom and family, and, and then we'll close the service from there. I think it would be appropriate if we all stand. And if you're okay with it, just stretch your hand out as a, a token of your agreement as we, as we pray for this beautiful family. Father, we thank you that this, although we mourn, it's such a joyous occasion because we can celebrate so many good things that you have deposited in our lives, not only through Jesus Christ, but through the life of Colin Wright. Thank you that we've all been touched by it. And we pray for this family because we know in the days ahead, there will be that empty void that only you can fill. And we, we thank you, Father, that the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter and that his comfort is real and tangible. Thank you for putting your arms around them when they need somebody to just hug them that let them feel your love in such a beautiful way. And thank you, Father, that the peace of God that surpasses all logic, all understanding, all emotions, can guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. And we thank you for that in his name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Uh, that's the end of this celebration service today, um, but we still have the opportunity to share some coffee together. Um, we've got some great cap cappuccinos that we are serving here at Anchor. It's free for everybody, so go through and grab a coffee, see some friends, talk to family, uh, share a conversation, a hug, um, and some time together. There's some snacks and food there as well. Thank you, everybody, for being here. God bless you. Let's run our race, our own races, and let's finish strong. God bless you.